This is an RNZ podcast. Time for I've Been Thinking. Um, who would like to start? Michelle Bogue, would you like to start? Of course. So I've been thinking about the pandemic, as everyone has, and opening the borders. And We're talking I, about this after four, by the way. Yes, I know mm-hmm. you are. But I think it applies to any crisis. And actually it applies to climate change as well. That was the former National Party president and current lobbyist and PR professional Michelle Bogue on RNZ National last Tuesday afternoon, making a hard-to-grasp point about climate change and COVID-19 on the bit of the panel where the guests are asked what they've been thinking. About an hour after the panel wound up on Tuesday, people all over the country were asking what was she thinking after Michelle Bogue owned up to giving the names of active COVID-19 cases to MP Hamish Walker, who passed them on to the media to put pressure on the government. That led to an inquiry to be launched next week, which prompted the Clutha Southland MP to come clean about his role, which in turn prompted Michelle Bogue to do likewise. And by the time that news broke, soon after the panel wound up on RNZ National, Michelle Bogue's fellow panellist that day, Shane Tapo, had already moved on to another drive-time radio panel, The Huddle on News Talk ZB. You know, you don't put your party in in uh, an embarrassing situation when you're actually trying to embarrass the government. Oh, dear God, so it just got a whole lot worse. Up. Shane, we have just yeah. had a press statement come through from Michelle mm-hmm. Bogue. Michelle Bogue yeah. is just admitting oh, that... It will definitely get worse. Yeah, as acting on. CEO of the Auckland Rescue Helicopter Trust, she leaked it to Hamish Walker. No wonder, no wonder Michelle was busy... Busy typing when I was on a radio show earlier with her. She was, she, she, yeah, she looked, she looked a little bit flustered. Well, the Huddle's pundits were unanimous that Walker must go, and the next day he announced that he would. As spin-off editor Toby Manhire pointed out on Twitter, his announcement came 73 days out from the election, beating the previous first-term Clutha Southland MP Todd Barkley, who quit under a cloud of scandal 94 days out from the last election. And that prompted callers to News Talk ZB on Tuesday night to wonder just what it is that's going on in that party and that electorate. And this this young chap will go the, the same way as the last uh, young chap that held that seat, Todd Barkley. Both of them, uh, he needs to go and he needs yeah. to go now. Within an hour of the news breaking last Tuesday, a backgrounder headlined Just Who Is Hamish Walker was up on the Herald's website, reminding people that he was the guy who sent out a press statement earlier in the week claiming up to 11,000 people from India, Pakistan and Korea could be heading to Dunedin, Invercargill and Queenstown for their quarantine. The Herald also pointed out that Hamish Walker had paid tribute to Michelle Bogue in his maiden speech in Parliament three years ago, in which he went on to say... I have learned that many people in the Clutha Southland area are not afraid to call a spade a spade. And if he was listening to News Talk ZB later that evening, he'd heard some of those people calling him a lot worse. He was from Dipton as well. His parents had the IGA or the four square there. Then he left and took the money but just went. Yeah, but but I'm so pleased that you're bringing this up because I'm just so disgusted at the hypocrisy of the national... Party. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, absolute pleasure. That was just one bit of the opprobrium on News Talk ZB that night, hosted by Marcus Lush, who lives and broadcasts from the Deep South. He said Hamish Walker was not fit to be an MP anymore, and likewise Michelle Bogue when it came to punditry. And I don't know if Michelle Bogue's a commentator on this radio show either. I mean, I probably should say that that's something I'm not aware of. But um, if you turn up on radio as a commentator... If you drive across the city to go into the studio to hear your voice, you're either um, desperate to be heard or you've got clients. That's my take. 
And the next day on RNZ Nationals, the panel host Wallace Chapman told listeners this. Barry says, I'm a regular listener, I enjoy listening to the panel. And the different panellists, while I may not always agree, I do like listening to different opinions. But uh, I wonder if it is possible for you to provide me with any advance warning of when Michelle Bogue is scheduled to be on air so I may turn my radio off. So, look, just to let you know, listeners, that Michelle Bogue will not be appearing on the panel anytime soon that I can tell you this afternoon. Though he didn't say precisely why they decided that Michelle Bogue was not considered a fit and proper panellist anymore. By Wednesday morning, the Clutha Southland MP was almost universally described in the media as disgraced MP Hamish Walker, and the leaking was being analysed in detail, including efforts to keep a lid on it. In her account of how the leak played out, RNZ's Joe Moyer said that Hamish Walker lawyered up before coming clean. She said Hamish Walker was stung by criticism of racism after he singled out nationalities of people in that press statement that he reckoned were heading to his patch for quarantine. And Hamish Walker had claimed that was part of the reason he leaked the details of the people with active cases to three media organisations. And Joe Moyer explained what happened next to Kim Hill on Morning Report last Wednesday. At the time... A commitment was made to Hamish Walker that information he was going to pass on to RNZ would not be connected to him, it would be anonymous, that we would be able to go to Megan Woods and talk about this information and that we wouldn't connect him with it. Now that commitment was made before RNZ saw what was sent. Obviously we didn't anticipate being sent such a serious privacy breach. Um, And so then basically we've got this situation where he's now put out a press statement saying that the reason that he um, passed on that information to media was that he wanted to expose the government's shortcomings so that they would be rectified. He said the information received was not password protected, it was not stored on a secure system where authorised people needed to log on, and there was no redaction to protect patient details. Now that is very different to the conversation that RNZ had with him and how we came to have the information, which was basically him trying to explain the origin of these people that were going to potentially come down to his electorate. The information Hamish Walker released clearly did not support his actual claims, drawing this reaction from Kim Hill. So then he had to change his reason. (laughs) Good move. But having given an undertaking that they would keep things confidential, was it absolutely ethical for RNZ and others in the media who got the same info for the same or similar reasons to reveal all those details now? Hayden Donnell took a look at that in this week's Midweek Media Watch and a couple of other examples where the media have had to weigh that up. Even one of the men who exposed all the president's men back in the day has struggled with that one recently. That's on the Media Watch page of the RNZ website, the RNZ app, or you'll find it on our podcast feed if you missed it. Meanwhile, Joe Moyer's riveting account of the story so far on RNZ's site last Wednesday ended like this. State Services Minister Chris Hipkins probably summed it up best when he arrived at his media conference last night and started with, um, where to begin? And the minister went on to give the media fresh headlines to take the story on further when he answered this question. You know, the relevant systems are in place. Is duty politics back? Um, look, I think that uh, this is a very disappointing situation. Um, it does uh, have a ring of duty politics to it, um, and I think that you know that would be very sad for the for the forthcoming election campaign. Soon after that, the home pages of the Herald, Stuff, and RNZ all had lead headlines referencing dirty politics. And the next day, Kim Hill kicked off Morning Report like this. The new health minister says the leaking of COVID-19 patient details by opposition MP Hamish Walker smacks of dirty politics. 
On Friday, the claims that dirty politics were in play were amplified when National Health spokesperson Michael Woodhouse and Michelle Bogue both revealed that she had sent similarly sensitive information about COVID cases to him as well in what RNZ's checkpoint described as seemingly synchronised statements. Now, dirty politics was, of course, the buzz phrase of the 2014 election campaign after the publication of Nikki Haga's expose about what some National Party politicians, staffers, supporters and lobbyists were up to back then. And part of the story back then was how the media were using leaks from partisans operating outside political parties, such as whale oil blogger Cameron Slater, though the public didn't know at the time where those stories were coming from or why they didn't find that out until Nikki Haga's book lifted the lid on it all. And after that, several senior journalists said publicly they regretted their choices and wouldn't have dealt with those sources if they had their time again. Now, back then, RNZ's political editor was Brent Edwards, who's now political editor at the National Business Review. And in a column published on Thursday in a video interview for the NBR on Friday, he said journalists' obligation to protecting their sources should not be used in the service of political strategy. And this use of leaks is quite common. It goes down to the journalist thing of, you know, protecting a source. Uh, But when it comes to a politician, I think actually the media should be tougher and should be up front with them and say, well, no, we're interested. You're trying to give this information away. We want to actually report that, not the information. Uh, so I think all those media organisations, and certainly I followed RNZ's coverage through the weekend, and I thought it was very odd. I read immediately that there was some real difficulty around how they were covering it, given that they obviously knew the source. And in that sense, the public were denied the true story. If you think that the public's right to know is actually the primary responsibility of journalism, that was put into secondary place. And in that way, the media allowed uh, at least one politician to start to play politics with some information. Now, it's true that three major news organisations were not giving the public the full story as they knew it throughout last weekend because of those deals they'd done with MP Hamish Walker. And Brent Edwards also wondered whether news media would have blown the whistle on all that at all if Hamish Walker and Michelle Bogue hadn't eventually outed themselves. But on the other hand, the management of COVID isolation is a huge issue of public importance right now, and an opposition MP is a completely legitimate avenue to the media for a genuine whistleblower to use if they've got significant information to disclose. But for Brent Edwards, it was more than merely ironic that the media were pressing Todd Muller and Michael Woodhouse about what they knew and when, when some of them knew more than they were prepared to publish. And I I think that it's much, much better for the media to stand outside that. And sometimes that means you say no to a leak. Uh, And hopefully in the build-up to the election, it would be good to see both politicians and the media say, look, let's be up front, speak openly, report openly, so the public, the voting public, know exactly who is saying what and who is providing what information. That's what public interest journalism is about, is providing them with all the relevant facts not um, suppressing material and actually, in a sense, I think for two or three days, media were certainly being dishonest and misleading with their coverage because they weren't providing the public with the full information. But Brent Edwards was a lone voice in the media saying that this week, at least out loud. The subtitle of Nikki Hager's book back in 2014 was How Attack Politics is Poisoning New Zealand's Political Environment. And back then, the disinfectant of sunlight proved pretty useful for the media as well as the politicians. But as we now know, that particular virus is proving pretty persistent.